Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Mama Craft's Mama Chat. We're talking turkey today about lame ducks and the big fat distraction in the airport because someone doesn't want you to pay attention to the important issues of the day. I'm joined by Cinematic and Carolee. Hello. Hey, ladies. Hi. Good morning. <clears throat> good afternoon to the people on the East Coast, all three of them who are listening. I hope we have more than three. <laughs> just kidding. I never. I these things feel very unreal to me. So I just. I usually just imagine that it's kind of the three of us talking on the phone, basically. <laughs> well, that's what it is. With a few listening in, of course, a lot of our listeners are probably getting ready for their Thanksgiving dinner or are on the road, which I'm going to be doing as soon as we finish this this chat. That's right. It's the season of planes, trains, and automobiles. Which is one of the reasons why there's all this brouhaha with the TSA. What's go- what's up with that? What do you think that is? All of a sudden, everybody is so concerned about pat-downs, which are, om- if I understand it, those are only if you don't go through the scanner? Right. You, and if, if you opt out of the scanner or the, the regular scanner or the optical scanner, the new ones, then what happens is you go through a pat-down. And, I mean, you have to – they have to be able to – oh, just a second, the pug went nuts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they have to be able to, um, you know, screen you somehow. So the whole cure over this, is, you know, out of the bazillion TSA agents, one or two of them may be slightly incompetent incompetent, and not have done it right. And um, the right wing, it's the holidays, so it's a great time to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I think... (laughs) Oh, go ahead. No, I said... Oh, I was just going to mention that The Nation did this huge, long article about... um, they called it TSA AstroTurf, the Washington lobbyists and Koch-funded libertarians behind the TSA scandal. And they actually went through and identified, um, you know, they sort of did the usual follow the money and identified, you know, various um, players who seem to be just ordinary citizens but in fact have ties to various libertarian organizations Um they seem to be sort of seasoned provocateurs in some cases, and in other cases, um, there are ties between the uh, people who you know are are behind manufacturing this equipment, um, have sort of a vested interest in a in you know multiple sales, so on and so forth, increased sales, and uh, the actual politicians who sit on committees that control this type of thing, and I think. The one politician that they mentioned in particular is, um, oh, goodness, let's see, Micah, um, who is a Republican, John Micah, who is from Florida, and he's set to chair the Transportation Committee. So he has a long history in terms of helping to co-write um, the bill establishing the TSA in 2001. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's kind of switched positions here and there um, since 2001 on um, you know, the need for pat downs, the need for these so called porno body scanners, so on and so forth. So, um the nation at least has identified him as someone who uh has had as a chief of staff someone um who was linked to a think tank that was um cook cook backed, uh, as well as um someone who's received a lot of lobbyist and sort of donation money from um various uh, sources that, you know, are are fully aligned with selling more of these kinds of uh, scanning machines and so on and so forth. So I I think that there's uh, maybe more than just a little bit of um, desire to really drum up, um, key up the masses and and just get everyone, you know, barking at full volume on on this. I, I don't think that 
I, I think we're talking about national security, and I think that you know we're all well aware of the term security theater by now, which is uh, the sort of great drama that's put into um, making us feel as if there are procedures and, and rituals and things that we do to make ourselves feel more secure, but there's an actual question as to how secure those kinds of things actually make us when, in fact, maybe it's sort of more invisible things like um, a better intelligence system, better, you know, um, better scrutiny of the watch lists, whatever it may be. So um, that, that, that I thought was just very interesting, the whole Nation article on this issue. Yeah, I read that just before we went online, and um, I don't know. I, I do find it kind of ironic that when we had a Republican president, then uh, no matter what kind of invasion of privacy that we did in the name of security, that was okay. Mm-hmm. But now that we have a Democrat in office, it's, oh, my goodness, don't touch my junk. And <laughs> it, it, I mean, the article does make a good point for that whole thing being a setup. Well, I think it's just, you know, worth um, resisting a lot of the hysteria and the, the, I mean, a lot of the stories are pretty horrific. A woman having um, survived breast cancer and now with a prosthetic breast who is, you know, asked to remove the prosthetic breast and apparently there's all this suspicion now with amputees and folks who have prosthetic limbs and so on and so forth that, you know, there's something nefarious hidden in that. So I think that's really... That's kind of horrific anywhere you slice it, you know. I mean, there is sort of an underlying um, way that it, we, you know, those of us who are subject to things like that we feel violated. I mean, that is pretty violating. But I think that um, it's it's just so convenient for all of us to get riled up. I mean, if it's not, you know, the, the masking, the, what is it, the duct tape and the, uh, you know, the, the stuff to put on your windows, remember that, like, 2004 or so, you know, people lived in D.C., you were supposed to go and, like, get this stuff and put it on your windows and around your doors in case of, I don't know, some sort of attack. I mean, I don't mean to make light of it because I think people's, you know, concern is genuine, but at the same time, it's really a balance, right? And and how far are we willing to go in terms of um, letting our persons be invaded, but, you know, for a monetary benefit from a far-off kind of corporation um, as opposed to, like, something else that is 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 much better at keeping us safe. What that is, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not a national security expert by any means, but I think it might just be worth kind of, you know, get, calming people down a little bit and having them realize that, you know, this is a sort of long overdue debate, and unfortunately we don't have two functioning parties that are sane and and level-headed enough to really kind of have this debate, right? Well, yeah, you know, Carolee? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, there's, there's another dynamic, in my opinion, at work here, and that mm-hmm. is that um, this is a great, a great time for the right to be able to discredit, you know, to, to play into their whole government doesn't work, Meme and uh, and also to um, to weaken the TSA like they did Acorn to the point where they can't organize you know basically get their union going which at this point they're the TSA um, has been allowed to have a union but they haven't had a vote on joining the union yet so it's sort of in the in the hopper and. By discrediting the TSA, that gives the right wing their anti-union, you know, push to privatize and, um, you know, move everything over into the private sector, which is what they'd love because, of course, a a private, you know, for-profit company wouldn't think of doing anything terrible to, uh, you know, anybody. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it was private. It was all private companies before the TSA. And that was one of the reasons why we had security mm-hmm. flags, holes in the security. That was the whole reason to federalize it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> for, those, for those of us who remember that. But there seems to be a lot of people who are just amnesiacs. And, you know, if it didn't happen yesterday, then we forgot all about it. 
Right. But the bottom line in all of this is, is that it's really it, it's a few incidents out of millions taken and blown out of proportion. I mean, I had somebody ask me yesterday, you know, well, would you, you know, let them feel up your 12-year-old daughter, to which my response was, um, actually, my daughter's 16, and I think we'd do whatever we had to do to get on the plane. Um, so, you know, I, no, I wouldn't love it, but I also would try to avoid it by making sure she didn't have anything on her that triggered anything, you know, that you should walk right through. Well, I I think also the other thing to point out is that this is especially ripe, (laughs) rich, that um, our concerns are are focused on uh, invasion of our our bodies, persons, as we go through, you know, this airport security, when I think a, a much more weighty and monumental aspect of national security is is absolutely being played politics with by the GOP in that they are refusing to ratify in the Senate um, the START Treaty, which would account, you know, which would basically renew with Russia our agreement that we limit our nuclear warheads to a certain number. I think it's uh, you know slightly above 1,500 or you know a very small number. And uh, and that we sort of build in checks to the process, and that we're able to um, have sort of mutual accountability with each other in terms of making sure that you know no one um, is off sneaking uh, anything else on the side, um, that we account for loose nukes, that we you know non-proliferate <laughs> these nuclear weapons. And I think, given how volatile the world is, we just saw how North Korea fired on South Korea. Um, and got quite a bit of world attention on that, um, that, you know, this issue of of nuclear weapons that are floating around in the world um, that are not accounted for uh, is, is, I think, a much bigger threat, given that we know that there are nations that are avidly pursuing these kinds of weapons, Pakistan, um, Iran, you know, North Korea, any number of nations that have really their own agenda and are kind of rogue nations in that they uh, haven't really been shown to um, kind of play well with others in the past. And and so there's not really a sense that, you know, they would be all that... um, disciplined by the censure of, you know, their other fellow nations. So I think that's really kind of like a much more worrisome issue uh, than um, uh, what I see as, you know, if there are, if there are kind, if there are particular TSA agents who are sleazy, yucky, um, ill-trained, going about this in the wrong way, you know, then we need to deal with that. But uh, I would rather make sure that the START Treaty is ratified because, to me, that's, you know, you're talking about mass devastation, mass destruction, uh, and that has the potential, I think, for really harming, you know, far larger numbers of people. Um, and, and in a way that we should be equally concerned about. But unfortunately, I, I really do see this as being played for politics by the GOP in the Senate. Well, I, I think that's the whole point. Yeah. Carolee. Yeah, I, I just think that, that, you know, as usual, this is a distraction to keep people yeah. and the media in particular focused on all the wrong things. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all the media cover. talking about. Right. Yeah, it gives them cover to um, they, they don't have to be confronted about blocking start. They don't have to be confronted about blocking um, unemployment benefits. They don't have to be confronted about discussing tax cuts, which, by the way, should all expire. Um, they, you know, they don't have to be confronted on this because they can just keep this sort of din going. And this is a tactic they use all the time. They use it in, until people are exhausted by it. Yeah. Right, and then yeah. there's like it's inconclusive, and so we've all quote unquote shot our wad, and then it's like, well, gee, what came of that? Gee, what came of all the outrage about the Ground Zero Mosque, quote unquote, Part Fifty One, mm-hmm. the project that is a community center that happens to have a prayer room in it, but at the same time is interfaith and accommodates, you know, any number of other faiths in that community center. You know, what really became of that, right? 
it was just right. it was sort of like the the outrage of the moment, and um, we all got caught up in the whirlwind. And yet, you know, what are the results? So I would say, even for people who were vehemently against the building of Park 51, two blocks away from Ground Zero, et cetera. I mean, for their outrage, what did they get for it? You know, I mean, I feel like it's not only those of us on the left who are played and, and get uh, caught up in these in these whirlwinds and that spin out into nothing. I mean, I think it's also, you know, for the Tea Party diehards, what did they get for their outrage? Well, that's an interesting question. I just saw an, a, an email from the Tea Party yesterday trying to stoke it back up um, mm. because the builders of um, the Park 51 Center have applied for federal funding for mm-hmm. the community center piece of it, which mm-hmm. they are totally entitled to do. And, right. Um, you know, it'll be up to the best as to whether it's approved or not. But they're they're entitled to do so, and and, and of course, on the you know some of the Tea Party leadership believes that uh, you know this should be the lead story on every you know news station <laughs> and it it is and it, to me I mean it they send out like four of these emails a day um, with different well, issues that are non issues it, uh-huh. it is yeah. you almost have yeah. to sort out what it is that is important you know like well what should I really pay attention to and what's just nonsense. Because, um, and their goal in doing that is to keep their membership engaged and angry. Because as long as yeah. they're engaged and angry and focused on these things, nothing gets done. And that's exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really see the challenge for us on on the left side of the aisle to really be tenacious about what our agenda is in you know, the next two years and and how we might be able to accomplish that or how we might be able to just um, keep asserting what it is that we stand for and what we believe in and why it is that we're driven to pursue these legislative goals. Even if we fail, it's still really important to remind the American public why, you know, why why we're going after those things, why it matters. And so that, to me, has been a pretty big disappointment on um, two things. The tax cut issue, I mean, it's really disturbing to contemplate that the White House might be softening on <laughs> um, <laughs> on that vote and, you know, willing to concede. I mean, I think the, the, the key line is $250,000 of taxable income, and so therefore many have been saying that over 250000 the tax cuts, the Bush tax cuts would all expire and then I've heard mutters here and there, even um, maybe trial balloons about, well, maybe we can extend them for people who make less than $250,000, considered the middle class, and then we can maybe go up into the million-dollar range and extend, and mm-hmm. extend, you know, tax cuts for them. But like anyone over a million dollars, yeah, they should their tax cuts should expire. And you know, you're sort of talking about like the half of a quarter of a percent at that point in terms of who has taxable income of a million dollars. You know, uh, I mean, we're talking about how, you know, really how many people, really just a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of of the nation makes that much money that would be taxed. So uh, that that's really troubling to me that uh, that would even be considered. And I think in terms of democratic messaging, we really need to be pushing, we citizens really need to be pushing for you know expiration of all tax cuts above two hundred and fifty thousand, and I'm actually of the position that you know what, let them all expire. I think that if you yeah. could sell the middle class on, you know what, yeah, you might have to pay however much you know for for your salary, whatever salary you make. Let's say you end up paying four hundred dollars yeah, more in taxes a year, then wouldn't you rather pay four hundred dollars and see everyone else? You know the folks who are making three, four, six hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Wouldn't you rather see them pay eighty-six thousand, hundred and fifty thousand, whatever it is they are due, you know, to pay in taxes? Like it seems like even with that amount of uh, of a little bit of a sell to it, that I think most people would be like, well, yeah, it's it's going to hit me in the pocketbook, but. If it hits these other people proportionately more in the way that it should be, then we should let it happen. 
Well, there's another dynamic, too, which is, <laughs> that seems to be my theme today. Yes, <laughs> there's always another dynamic, and I'm glad you bring it in. Yeah, um, the, nobody's really talking about what what's driving the right crazier, which isn't so much the income tax, it's the expiration of the zero estate tax. <laughs> so um, that also goes away if everything expires. And so all those people with the big estates, now would have to pay basically anything over a certain amount would be 50% taxable. So uh, there's a, you know, there's high stakes at play here in terms of estate taxation in ter- and income taxation. And, and the truth is it's time to really overhaul the whole thing anyway, so, which is why they really need to just let them expire and mm-hmm, then go to yeah. work in the next session yeah. To, to fix it. And all this nonsense, another distraction is all this baloney about how it's so uncertain for business. That's just baloney. It's bull. There's, it, 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 it's not a question of that. Business is savvy enough to do tax planning for two scenarios. It happens all the time. So, you know, to say, oh, they're so uncertain, they're not hiring anybody, that's nonsense. It's just, you know, leverage to, to try to keep everything in place. The other nonsense that you hear a lot about is how there's going to be this terrible, horrible, you know, drop in the economy is going to slow down if taxes are higher. And, you know, the numbers just don't show that to be true. So um, both of those, again, are distractions. And here's what I think is going on. Mm -hmm. We have a whole lot in play right now with the lame duck session. You have don't ask, don't tell, repeal on the table. You have Mm -hmm. the Disclose Act on the table. Mm -hmm. You have the tax cuts on the table and you have the START Treaty on the table, and they're all bargaining chips in the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so I think the signal about compromise that you're hearing needs to be pushed back on hard. As you know, I've written about this a lot, you know, that there's no way that we should be extending for the high end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's, it's reasonable to assume that you've got a lot of horse trading happening right now behind the scenes. So... You know, and and in, and so I think as Democrats, we also have to figure out we're not going to get everything. So what do we really want? Mhm. Right. Yeah. And I, I've seen some backing off the Disclose Act. Also, it was a little disappointing to me that it was such a humongous campaign issue, and finally, it seemed that we were getting some traction in the corporate media about you know the whole sort of flush. Slush fund, fire hose of uh, donations, corporate donations from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and, of course, the overseas chambers of commerce, which fed back into the main pot of money, which then, of course, accounted for a zillion and one political ads that we all saw, those of us who, who watch TV. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an enormous campaign issue. And then as soon as the elections happened, it seemed like it just died. And so... That to me is very frustrating, and I think absolutely it's it's become just another chit on the table. And now we hear, <clears throat> excuse me, about um, various Democratic fundraisers who are saying that they, <clears throat> excuse me, are interested in um, trying to counter some of that uh, third-party fundraising, um, but no, to do it on the left. So. Uh, you know, to my mind, I, and maybe I'm just too much of a purist here, but I really feel like we, at the very minimum, need the Disclose Act, and at you know, at optimum, we need a law that repeals the Citizens United ruling, because I think in the end, it's just not good for democracy to kind of have this constant ratcheting up, and pretty soon, you know, our our, our entire economy will consist of finan- bogus financial services. That's really just you know, transactions by investment firms and extremely wealthy entities and political ads, which, you know, will require like a coterie of consultants and people to make the ads and then, you know, write them and put them on TV and so on and so forth. So like our entire economy will just become those two things, basically. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm a little concerned about the fact that the, the Disclose Act which would require, obviously, disclosure of, of these um, donations to third-party entities um, for political campaigns. I'm, I'm a little worried that now it's just become a chit and it might get bargained away, but I think the reality is we, we're, we're kind of looking at that scenario. 
Well, it, if you don't have the votes in the Senate, it, it's it's going to be tough to yeah. to get it through. But in defense of the Democrats, um, and David Brock in particular, who's the head of Media Matters, who's mm-hmm. the one who's talking about doing the fundraising via the 501c4s, um, we have to level the playing ground if we're not going to get the disclosure. Mm-hmm. That's where I come from with it. And, and you know, it's nice to be um, on the high road, but not if you're stalled with a flat, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, well, you know, we don't, it, it, we don't really so, need our hands tied behind our backs because that didn't work so well in 2010. <laughs> right, exactly. It And it, it didn't. And... Um, Here's the thing. I mean, I've been following the money now for over a year in detail, and they have. I'm actually getting ready to write a whole series on this. They have a very intricate network on the other side um, of how the money flows, and they're already setting it up for 2012. And they're, uh, you know, Romney's got several state committees in um, places like Michigan and Alabama where unlimited contributions are allowed so that it can flow those through into the federal committees um, and as undisclosed contributions. So if we want to have a prayer, we've got to, you know, Brock is right. We've got to go out there and do it with the rules we have today. If those rules change, that's great, you know, but they, they've got to have them have <clears throat> something in place to fight back depending. I mean, it's a war, basically, and it they, is. you know, they have to react. So with that said, I I applaud David Brock for taking stepping up and doing this. I think it's a great thing that, you know, he's got the foresight to know that if we don't get something done, we're screwed in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you also that either we need a constitutional amendment undoing um, Citizens United, and that's not, by the way, impossible um but it's doubtful yeah you know better yet would be at least to get the disclose act in place right now so that 2012 is a disaster um that would be the main thing and um but so even if we took that out of the the realm of the bargaining chips that we have going on right now over the tax cuts i mean i think that the question that all of us are going to have to ask ourselves as democrats is are we okay with extending the tax cuts for a couple more years, yes, we could get the DREAM Act and Don't Ask, Don't Tell repealed. You know, we get DREAM Act passed, Don't Ask, Don't Tell repealed. Um, and because they're all part of that same package, you know, they're they're going to end up in some kind of an omnibus package. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what how I don't even know how I feel about it. To be honest yeah, with you, I, yeah. There's a lot at stake, and you know, there's we can all bemoan and tear our hair out and wring our hands over the fact that some of this could have been taken care of in the Senate when we did have the so-called majority, supermajority, but it didn't happen. So here we are, <laughs> right? I mean, the tax cuts, you know, could have happened then. There was talk of it, and we backed off it. So now we're dealing with the consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's not pretty, and it's definitely sausage being made. So those of us who are political junkies can't see, can't quite seem to tear our eyes away from the the ugly process but there it is it's not it's not pretty at all and i think um in a lot of ways i think the dream act has um a lot of legs in terms of support out in the community i mean i see lots and lots and lots of activism from young people definitely from latinos definitely from immigrant communities you know on this and and to me that's very heartening and um and i'm really I'm hopeful that just on a sheer sort of horse trading political level that Obama and and everyone else on down in the Democratic Party realizes that the reason we had blue California, the Latino vote. (laughs) You know, in a lot of places, Latinos, the vote was just off the chart, and the get-out-the-vote was phenomenal. And I have to say, you know, thank goodness, that we don't have Meg Whitman as a governor, and I think a large part of that is Latino voters who said, we 
we know all about you. We've seen the likes of you before, Meg Whitman, and, you know, we're not buying it. Um, so my, my hope at least is for the DREAM Act to be one uh, near the top of the priorities, and I think, you know, plenty of people realize, I think Harry Reid realizes, the Latino vote in Nevada was pretty key for him also, that it's it's payback time, right? It's It's time to reward your friends. So... And and also, I mean, I think there's something kind of unimpeachable about the DREAM Act in that, look, you know, these are people who came over, people who are now undocumented, who came over as young children with their families very often, right, and and really had no choice or say in terms of, um, you know, their status, right? It was really just a matter of being a child and following your family wherever they went. So, um you know, now these these people have grown up. They've gone to college. They're you know enrolling in the military, so on and so forth. They're, you know, at, they're active and productive members of society. I mean, the, this is the American dream, right? This is how it's supposed to work. You come here, and you keep your nose clean, and you work hard, and you study hard, and you become, you know, someone with a job, a productive member of society, so on and so forth. And and in that way, I mean, there's something very um, Nice about the 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 package that these people present. I mean, I think if anything, it's probably one of the more palatable parts of immigration reform, and that people can feel like, oh yes, you know, I, I can connect to that. And and even though they are not documented now, their papers are in disarray, what have you. But let's give these people a chance to kind of get right with that and give them a path to citizenship. Because look, you know, they're already proving that they're successful here and that. You know they've embraced this country, and um, you know they're they're really Americans, right? So, um, so my hopes are that that it'll pass. And and I mean, I want the whole rest of immigration reform. I really think that's a long overdue conversation as well. But in this climate of GOP craziness and Tea Party, you know, double craziness. Um, I, I just don't know if we're going to be able to get to that fuller conversation any time down the line. Well, yeah, I, I don't either. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just there's going to be a ballot initiative that's going to try to pass a law similar to Arizona's here in California. Right. I heard about that. And I'm just, I'm kind of disbelieving that they they think they have a chance with that. But... Uh, maybe they maybe they don't realize that. Well, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know what they think. <laughs> well, the, the 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 good news is that that this is just in the petition gathering stage right, right now, and so we have a call to action. I think to say we need to get the word out on this. I know I'm writing about it and talking about it, and and you know don't sign the petition. Hello, yeah. don't yeah. do it. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't sign any petitions anymore. I don't either because they're mm-hmm. first of all they're all professional petition gatherers. Right. That do right. this right, um, and they 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 word them in a way that is misleading that makes people you know think one way and oh right. they're signing this and then they find out later they're not. Um, it, I mean, there's just a lot of good reasons not to sign those petitions. Plus, I'm just completely anti-initiative anymore. I, I, yeah. I no longer have any belief in the, the process working. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. My husband, uh, he just he he made it his policy to just vote no to all the initiatives, and I was like, well, generally oh. that's that's not a bad idea, but here are some that you actually should vote for. <laughs> just because yeah, I had the same be, You might be throwing the baby out with the bathwater there, so. <clears throat> yeah, but it, it really, right. it's really a distortion of of um, the, the democratic process, and I think also put, takes a lot of the responsibility um, off, takes it off of the legislature, and puts it, you know, to whoever is the most rabid at the ballot box, for better or worse, you know. Right. And, well, it, 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 they're always worded in a way that's confusing. Yeah. Um, it you know so people don't even understand what it is they're voting on and it, and if it's a no vote I mean this is what happened with Prop Eight right you know the right. the no vote the people who voted yes on Prop Eight thought they weren't doing anything well, not all of them but many of them thought they were doing something good you know mm-hmm. not bad 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, that's, they craft these things in a way that makes them seem harmless. And that's Prop 26, that's another one. I mean, Prop 26 right. was the fallback if 23 failed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's, it's, in my opinion, the initiative process is very flawed. It's more flawed than, you know, the legislative process. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I I kind of have a bizarre faith in the California legislature. I mean, we do have Democratic majorities there, so in the Senate and in the Assembly, and they keep my my one thing that I hang on to is that they keep passing single payer, state single payer for California. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that to me says, okay, you know, maybe there's some hope there. We have some people there who are good who, you know, are listening to constituents, are have a vision of a plan that can work for everyone in the state of California. I now hear that Vermont, I think, is thinking of passing a single-payer, a state single-payer plan also. So, I mean, you know, I I think that (laughs) it's really just a national level where people are cranky and stabby when they think of Congress. They like their own congressperson very often, but they don't like, you know, Congress as a whole. (laughs) So. Yeah. Oh, I don't like Congress as a whole. I mean, I don't <laughs> like the way they... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them come on the floor and I think, oh, my God, how did they ever get elected in the first place? But, yeah, yeah, or like, what are the people in that district thinking? How can they, <laughs> can they elect that person? That's appalling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there you go. So, yeah. Oh, it all <clears throat> comes down to the campaign ads. I mean, we saw plenty of um, candidates this time that didn't have much behind them except glossy ads and, you know, money from God knows where because yeah. they weren't revealing. Yeah, well, Alan West, I mean, he should never have won. He's a lunatic. <laughs> you know, and he and they exactly. put five, five million dollars into his election. Five million to elect a representative. Yeah. That's insane. It is insane. I forget what state he's from. Florida. Okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. I was reading something on the Hill blog yesterday about how they um, had all the incoming freshman people last last week, and they've written a little handbook with instructions. And, like, at the top of the things they have to do is read the Constitution, reread the Constitution, you know, know what, what is legal and what isn't legal. Don't make promises. You know, and it's it's funny they have to say these things to these people because they were all campaigning on I am going to uphold the Constitution. They have no idea what the you know they all had studied the Constitution like Christine O'Donnell, you know, who was an expert. <laughs> right, right. Well, um, I always loved the debates where they were carrying around their pocket constitutions and claiming that they knew more about it than their other other candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I you know, I often am down on Democrats for like messaging. Where's your head at? Why oh, why are we not hearing yeah. about this? But I have to say that the four um congresspersons who stood up and, and circulated the letter saying to the incoming Republican freshman congressman, um I forget his first name, but Harris, um from Maryland, I believe, and um, he was the one who stood up and, and raised his hand at the orientation orientation for Congress people and said, um, "Why do I have to wait 30 days until I get my taxpayer-paid government <laughs> government-administered health care? That's horrible!" And you know, so now the four Congress Democratic Congress people have uh, circulated this letter and, and credo. Mobile has followed up with a with a big um, you know petition drive to basically demand of Mitch McConnell in the Senate and John Boehner in Congress, the you know new majority leader, <clears throat> to basically demand that these Republicans who campaigned on repealing the Health Care Act that they you know recuse themselves basically of accepting any of the federal employee health care which they are eligible for. So I mean that I think that's if there's a if there's a way that Democrats have triumphed on messaging I think this is like a small success story and I think that it it gets traction among people 
And it was distraction. I, and and I think I even saw a study recently that said that sur- there was a survey taken among Tea Party members, and like it was Tea Party members, fifty eight percent of them thought that their um, newly elected you know congressperson should not accept whatever federal health care there is for employees. You know, this is above and beyond the Democrats. I think the Democrats were like, oh, thirty six percent said, well. Yeah, they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't accept it. They're being hypocritical. But it was really the Tea Party people themselves who were very um, vehement in their uh, insistence that their new congressperson not accept federal health care. <laughs> so I thought that was that was kind of funny, you know. It is. It's, well, it, it's consistent with their, you know, yeah. the, the whole libertarian go out and and deal with it yourself. But the, the funny part of Harris was that he... Um, he was so adamant about it. Mm-hmm. I've never had health insurance where I've had to wait. Oh, really? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know any any company where there's not an eligibility period before yeah, you Yeah, sometimes like so, three months. You have to wait three right. months sometimes. Right. Yeah. So it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what planet he was yeah. on. Hmm? The The... Newly elected representative who was complaining about not having his health care. I think he was a doctor, an MD. He is. He's and an MD. He had no idea how insurance works. Right. Well, the thing well, is, he, he might be like a private partner. You know what I'm saying? He might have like his mm-hmm. basically his own business, as well as being employed by a hospital or whatever, and. You know, maybe those details are just too far back in time for him to really uh, remember how that worked. <laughs> well, yeah, and most of them pay somebody to handle the insurance, so yeah. it, you know, that would. They, I'm sure they'd handle his too. But it, this is what I mean. His act of outrage was one of those that just drove me crazy because <laughs> Obama campaigned on getting health care just like Congress has. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that was always what you heard in the campaign. Mm-hmm. And no matter yeah. what anybody tells you about the public option and da da what he said was, we're going to get you a plan just like Congress, and there's not going to be any pre-existing conditions. And that's what Congress delivered mm-hmm. with the Health Care Act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish the effective dates were sooner, but still, that is what Congress delivered. So to have this guy essentially say, why can't I have my health care the day I'm sworn in, and then and then swear to repeal it for the rest of us. It's such a, a an amazing act of hypocrisy. It, it's it, it just boggles the mind. They're running ads against him now. And um, I can't remember the organization that's doing it, but they're running ads in his district, um, pointing out to all the voters that just elected him that that he should have to give it up because he if he wants to repeal it, either he backs off on repeal or else he and take self-care or, you know, not. That's awesome. I mean, it's, I it's, it's, that. too, it's too little too late because he's elected, unless they immediately want to recall him. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you know, it, you know, and this is my ongoing frustration with the so-called Tea Party, you know, low-information, independent, whatever voter out there who – is is voting, or worse yet, sitting at home and not voting, and then sort of we end up with these consequences of your action or inaction, and then people wonder, like, why is this happening? And it's like, well, because that's exactly what is the consequence of your either action or inaction. (laughs) You know? So... (laughs) Elections have consequences. Just ask for still paying. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Carolee, are you still a Dancing with the Stars fan? Do you watch? I don't because when they put Tom DeLay on there to rehabilitate him, <laughs> I, was, I was done. I, I was done. I just couldn't do it. Um, and then Bristol Palin, I I don't want to rant on, you know, some poor person downloads this and listens to me rant. They probably would never listen again. But um, putting Bristol Palin on that show was just a way to get Sarah Palin's name out every single week, everywhere, you know, and and it wasn't coincidence, by the way, that her book launched on the same day as the final, you know, Dancing with the Stars. And um, it just, 
it makes me want to tear my hair out. You know, it's a huge PR push, and uh, they're turning our, our politics and our government into a joke, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> well, this is my idea. I think that Sarah Palin and Bristol Palin should run together for president and vice president in 2012 because they're both equally qualified, which is to say horrendously unqualified for those <laughs> positions. And it's really like what is the difference when we have someone like Sarah Palin, abortive term governor who just bailed halfway through on her term, and, you know, this young woman who, um, I'm not even clear if she's finished high school at this point, but whatever, you know, her case may be. But, you know, what is really the difference between one going for the presidency and the other going for Tiara as queen of Dancing with the Stars? You know, I mean, <laughs> they're both sort of equally um, just sort of, you know, not even um, based in any sort of reality in terms of qualifications or uh, preparation or even maybe talent in in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I, I think it's really uh, a ridiculous, a ridiculous kind of um, situation that we have. And and I think in a weird way, the the whole Tea Party hype to vote. Bristol Palin, keep voting her up, keep propping her up, was kind of a, a horrible metaphor for the worst parts of our democracy where, you know, again, the most rabid and the most um, organized and the most vocal can can really um, grab a hold of the process and, and uh, wrench, you know, quite a bit more change out of it than anyone really bargained for. So, you know, it was amazing that she she stayed in there for as long as she did. Yeah, well, and she did for the, exactly the reasons that you described. She stayed in it, and uh, because because the voting was gamed, and then in the end, um, you know, came in third, which is higher than she ever should have. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh. <laughs> but but you know, um, it's Sarah Palin said something in her hour-long Fox News interview with Sean Hannity two nights ago. That that I I do have to give her credit for being right about, and and she said that basically, um, pop culture is the influencer, and if you want to reach people, you do it through pop culture, and that is absolutely true. Sad, true, frustrating, but it's true. And well, that, um, I actually thought the whole Tea Party um, organized effort to keep Bristol Palin afloat was was really riding the line in terms of. Uh, possibly going too far, overreaching, you know, because I think that, you know, the the low information voter, a.k.a. independent and or Tea Party person who just likes to watch their show and likes to believe in the fact that, you know, hey, I my vote counts for something when I call in and say so-and-so should be number one, you know, that they, they were really kind of messing with the process. And I think had they had they really kind of gone too far with it, it might have been an interesting tipping point for people in the so-called imaginary middle who tend not to get involved in politics or have a, much of an opinion about anything one way or the other or insulate themselves, deliberately insulate themselves with lack of information from, you know, just a lot of the worst aspects. And, uh, you know, I think that could have been interesting to see people finally get outraged over, you know, the gaming of the system to favor Bristol Palin. So I, that would have been very interesting to me had she won, you know, if um, if that might have turned the tide against uh, ordinarily apolitical people, you know, against uh, against the Palins or against Bristol. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I hold little hope that they do anything rational anymore. So... <laughs> You know, they would probably find a way to to justify it, but I, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm expecting Sarah Palin to announce her candidacy any day now, and uh, and and when she does, 
it will be all anybody talks about on any of the news channels, and everything that comes out of her mouth will be all anybody talks about on the news channels. And um, well, do you think she's going to tweet her announcement or or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or Facebook it? Uh, yeah. Golly. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that that's part of the strategy. You know, and, I mean, and, she and that's the message. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. What? No, 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 no. I was just more on that. You know, it's it's very frustrating that they can get away with only speaking to Fox News, not doing interviews, and getting their message out in little tweets and and Facebook postings. And it's brilliant. And at the same time, how do you combat it? How do we get another message out other than this one and 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 not allow her to take up all the oxygen in the room? Well, and I would also add, we have such a lazy corporate press. How can we rely on them to properly vet Sarah Palin? I mean, do you think she's really going to submit medical records as even John McCain did? <laughs> You know, I, I, I just really, <clears throat> given the birther controversy that surrounds Trig and so on and so forth, which is admittedly on the left, it's a little wackadoo, but, I mean, you know, do, do you think she's really going to open up her medical records as every candidate for president has since medical records were invented? <laughs> no. You know? No. Yeah, well, not only will she not do that, but she'll find a way to distract from it and... Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I mean, the one comfort I get from this is that that Republicans are as frustrated with Sarah Palin as the rest of us are. <laughs> <laughs> You're already seeing, you know, the public statements coming out, um, essentially suggesting that she should go back to to Alaska and have a nice Barbara life. Bush? So, huh? Barbara Bush. <laughs> yeah, Barbara Bush was great. Yeah. <clears throat> Exactly. So, yeah. So, so you know, uh, that that comforts me a little that, that she's frustrating to the Republicans too. Um, and I could actually see her. She's so narcissistic that I could, if she's rejected by the Republicans, I could see her, um, you know, fanning out to a third party uh, candidacy, which would guarantee Obama's reelection. Um, unless, and, um, unless somebody decides to primary him from the left. Oh God, that would be a disaster. <laughs> that would be a disaster. That would really be a disaster. So let's hope that no one does. Although I've heard mutters here and there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hear the mutters, and I hope, and I, and I, I just kind of try to hold my breath and think, you know, okay, um, they're pissed off, you know, and let them, let them bend. They won't really do it. I really right. hope that's where they're going yeah. with it because yeah. um, it, it would politically, it would be a disaster. Well, it, like it, Ralph Nader worked so well for us before, you know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, even Teddy Kennedy, you know, running yeah. against Carter cost Carter. So yeah. not that not yeah. that you know I hold Carter up as a stellar president, but at the same time, um, there's an advantage to having a D in the White House, <laughs> just like there is to having D majorities, even if they don't all go far enough left, you know. Right. So yeah, yeah. Well, Donna, this past week you went to the L.A. Auto Show. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? I just wanted to talk a little bit about how great it was to see so many green cars. Um, you know, a few years ago, you couldn't find very many. I mean, hybrids were brand new. Mm -hmm. This year at the L.A. Auto Show, they had 50 different wow. alternative fuel vehicles, and a lot of them are going to be on the showrooms like before the end of the year. In wow. fact, the Chevy Volt, which um, Rush Limbaugh hates, I found out. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure what he has against alternative fuel vehicles, but he um, he erroneously told his listeners that you can only get 40 miles on a charge and, and then you're done. And that's not true because the Volt is kind of revolutionary in that you know, like a hybrid, it also runs on gas, but mm -hmm. the gas powers an electric generator. So it's not, you're not getting fuel, it's not powering a gas engine, it's powering a generator. So actually you are getting hundreds of miles on a charge 
once that generator kicks in, and you only have to fill your tank maybe two or three times a year. Oh, my so, God, that's incredible. It's incredible. I want a it bowl mean, so much. Me too. <laughs> and I got to drive one, and it's awesome. Oh, and, yeah. I, um, I've wanted a bolt for five years. I, I, I mean, ever since I heard about him, I've wanted him. I, it is the one car that I would actually want to have if I had a car, which I don't. Well, you know what? It's, it's actually, it's good looking. It's got a gorgeous interior. It drives like your own gliders. It's wow. very, very quiet. And it was named not just Green Car of the Year, but Motor Trends Car of the Year because, as they said, this is a game changer. The engineering, I mean, you know, everybody was upset with GM for taking back the EV and taking them apart. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's exactly what the EV led up to. Wow. And and it was really nice. to. I mean, last year at the auto show, they didn't even turn on the lights in the GM section because of the bankruptcy. Yeah. This year, they announced their IPO. And, every, I mean, there was optimism at yeah. the auto show this year. I mean, everybody was talking about it. There were more car companies. You know, people that didn't come last year came this year. There were, like, twice as many reporters as last year. Mm-hmm. And anecdotally, you know, there was a feeling like things are, are turning around, even if we don't see it in the general economy yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's something that I take hope for this Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. That things will turn around. The the green yeah. sector, I love keeping up with green news because I feel like that is the one sector where, economically speaking, <clears throat> in terms of technology and innovation, that that we are still... Uh, you know, uh, the shining example um, that we should be, you know, to the rest of the world. Maybe we could be a little more competitive in some areas, yes, but, and also we do need, you know, the legislative component of cap and trade, so on and so forth. But in terms of, like, invention and innovation, I'm always just really, really hopeful after I read news about what's happening in the green business sector and wind power and, solar, so on and so forth. I think I was reading the other day that in Northern California, installers of solar systems, uh, solar rooftop panels, and so on and so forth, they are having such a hard time keeping up with demand. The demand is crazy, you know, and I think that um, that's just one of those quiet things that's happening, you know, beneath the surface that if we could peel our eyes away from Bristol Palin for a second that we could see this. You know, <laughs> we could see these green shoots, you know, and um, it's sort of like a like a stealth um, resuscitation of the economy that's happening. I hope it, it's happening. And um, the fact that the, the Volt gets 127 miles per gallon just blows my mind. I'm... I I I really really want one also and this is very strange for me to say because I'm one of those like Japanese car snobs where <laughs> I'm like oh Toyota Honda whatever they're so reliable you know you never have to hardly ever have to repair them blah blah all the rest and and that's usually what I've bought if or had um you know since I've driven so I I'm not usually one to look at American made cars but the Chevy Volt would definitely turn me around I'm well, the same way um, you guys, this has been a great discussion. I could talk with you forever. Some quick uh, thoughts for Thanksgiving and uh, and wrapping it up here because we have less than a minute remaining now. What are you guys uh, thankful for? Well, I, I, a lot of things. I mean, I'm thankful that we have a, a, a level-headed, smart president in the White House um, and of course, my family, and you know that my my son is healthy again, finally after all hey. these, you know after a year of struggling. Um, you know, it's for all of the negatives that are going on. There's so much good, and mm-hmm. you know sometimes we it, it's easy to overlook it. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I do have gratitude for the fact that you know I can breathe and go outside, and you know all those ride my bike, and you know. That life is not terrible, yeah. no matter what they try to tell you. you know? Right, right. And I'm really grateful for the momocrats, you know, because I feel like 
I have I have my own uh, you know ranty lefty opinions, and so it's nice to get together with other women who also have ranty lefty opinions. <laughs> well, be sure to go check in at mamacrafts dot com for those mommy ranty opinions. And Carolee, what's the URL for Crooks and Liars? Uh, just crooksandliars.com. dot com. Okay. Well, thank you, Carolee and Cinematic. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see you or hear you next week. Thanks. All right. Thanks for running the show. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. It's done. Oh, are we done? Are we off the air? We're off the air. Show is on but not streaming. We can still talk, I guess. Okay. um, Gosh, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for running the show, Donna. You're such a good host. Well, well I don't know how good a host I am, <laughs> but you guys are really good talkers. I love it. <laughs> well, I think it's like you, I mean, I'm sure this is the case with Carolee, who's so deeply into all of this research that, you She's know, you... She's off the air now. She must have oh. hung up. Oh, okay. But, like, I mean, you accumulate all these facts and stuff, but... Um, you know, it's a relief to be able to talk to someone about them so that you can sort of flush them out of your head. <laughs> so, well, yeah. you definitely make it easy. So this is this is good. And do you feel like it's getting easier for you? I do. Because I wasn't able to be with you last week. So yeah, I think the Skype really helped. I think that really good. helped. Yeah, and we were able to talk about most of the things on our rundown. Um, and it, it seemed to be fairly organically um, incorporated, so that you know that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, you know it's, it's good to have a list, but I I like that we're letting the conversation go where you know naturally flow where uh-huh. it needs to flow. Right. So we can only get better at this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, in another couple of minutes, I'm actually going to be talking with the woman from um, Care 2 about oh, possibly um, getting, you know, momocrats in that stable of uh, people that they have partnerships with. So, they, I mean, they've partnered with, like, The Nation, some pretty big names, Huffington Post, um, you know, <clears throat> the Center for American Progress and Think Progress. So, I mean, it's pretty good company that we'd be in, and um, a lot of people that we end up linking to anyway in our stories and stuff like that. So um, provided that we don't have to pay anything, you know, um, I I would think it would be a good thing for us because I think the way it works is that you put a widget on your website, and then if people sign up through your widget on your website, then you probably get to share you know, the name and um, the contact info. So, like, Care2 gets to add to their list, and then we get we get to build our list. I think it's a win-win. I love yeah. that, that you're pursuing this. And are yeah. you feeling like you're getting a little bit more help from the rest of us now? Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I think the show has been great, and, I mean, you do the newsletter, so you're doing a lot. And then now you're, like, on the Facebook page all the time, so that's excellent. And, um, you know, um, I, I think that we are kind of getting our uh, our mojo back somewhat. And I think people also kind of realized maybe after the 2010 elections that, you know, hey, we could be looking at President Palin if, if we don't, uh, <laughs> if we don't, you know, start planning now for... That's uh, a horror story if ever. Yeah, um, yeah, you know. I, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that Harry and I might actually move out of the country if if she's elected. You know, I would do it if I could sell my house. Yeah, I know. Well, that would be our big stumbling block. Yeah. That's going to keep yeah. us all here. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to let you go. Okay. Yeah. And uh I'm I you know, thank you and we'll do this again next week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, I want to hear someone else though. Yeah, I want to listen in and hear like hear someone else talk cuz I, I feel like I feel like it's just been me 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 and I you know, you, you are really... getting very good. <laughs> and besides really which that. you know, this is actually what we um need to be doing. 
Yeah, we kind of need to be um, practicing our, our media chops. So, exactly. You know, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking after uh, we come back, maybe we can um, maybe we can have um, Gloria Felt on to talk about her book or like some of the people who are flogging books. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, that might be a way to go. Yeah. So, and then you know, I've been looking at the um, insights for the Facebook page. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know if you 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 can see those because you're an administrator too, right? So you can see that like on some things that we post, we get like 800 and or 900 some views. I, I guess that's how they're counting it. Wow. No, I had I had not looked at those. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, take a look because sometimes I notice they're visible, other times they're not. Um, so, you know, just take a take a look um, when you get a chance. You know, if they have like the, and then they have like um, the percentage of um, engagement. So, like sometimes it'll be as low as point six, but then other times it'll be like one point two five, which mm-hmm. is you know not bad. So, yeah. You know, it's like a lively, it's like a lively little page now. People actually speak up, and I think that Alan Bates guy, who was our troll, I think he's quiet. I haven't seen him post anything for a long time now. Well, that's good. Maybe he's just too busy with uh, things that matter, or yeah, you know, yeah, you know, just spending all his time on the tea party site and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. You have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too, and, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. Yeah, thanks for running the show. And have a safe drive and all of that. Enjoy, you know, the time with your family and everything. Your sister are you staying with? Yeah, we go to my sister mm-hmm. every yeah. year. Yeah. She gets Thanksgiving. Yep, so. yep. So have fun. Okay. Have fun, and I'll fun. see you when you get back or talk to you when you get back. Okay. Okay, yeah, definitely. all right. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.